And open up to John chapter 21. Good 10 minute meet and greet time there. We're kind of figuring out how long it takes for everyone to get down and check their kids in and make it back up here. So that may adjust a little, although we love a good, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss moment. You know, I'm sure you've figured that out as you've been at, right, John? It's just like, man, we just have bonded. I think, since that first time. Okay, uh, John 21, and uh, if you will, to set up this uh, today, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, and we've got it on the screen, so um, if you can't flip back there, that's fine. Uh, In Matthew chapter 4, we have Jesus calling uh, the apostle Peter. It says, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat with their father and followed him. So uh, one of our first interactions with Peter is Jesus walking by the seashore, the same seashore that they sold seashells. No, how's it go? Seashells, she sells seashells by the seashore. You know, same seashore that we're going to be in John 21. So interesting. We got the beginning and kind of the end uh, there um, uh, at the seashore. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Then in Matthew chapter uh, 16, We have this great confession of Peter that Jesus isn't just a man, he's not just a prophet, but um, there in verse 15, Matthew 16, 15, Jesus says, who do you guys say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So there's just pillar statement there of who Jesus is. He's not just another guy, another prophet or a holy man. He is the savior of the world. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that everyone's been waiting for. And to just kick it up a notch, uh, it was clear to Peter. He knew that the scriptures were saying he's the son of God or he's God himself. And Jesus has a great response to that saying, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father uh, who is in Heaven. And so in that verse 17, Jesus calls uh, Peter Simon, the son of Jonah or son of John. Simon meaning pebbles, right? Uh, Blessed are you, pebbles. You know, it's like a Flintstones name, you know. Good job, pebbles, you know. Uh, But then he says, hey, I got something to call you now. Now I'm telling you, you are Peter, verse 18. Peter meaning rock, right? Uh, And on this rock, I will build my church. Uh, there's so many things about that that we don't have time to get into, but it's, it's upon that statement that Jesus isn't just a man, but he's the savior of the world. He's God himself. And it's upon that, that the church will be built. Um, but also, uh, on you, Peter, um, not to take it a degree that maybe the Roman Catholics take it where there's some sort of apostolic succession through Peter, but that there was a true founding of the church upon Peter, and he was a leader in the Jerusalem church, uh, as well as the other apostles, and, uh, and on that rock, and on you, and, and on this truth, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and then in Matthew chapter 26, 31 through 35, 
This is the uh, night of the Last Supper, the night before Jesus is crucified. Jesus says to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And so Peter answers and said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus says to him, Peter, assuredly, I say to you that this night, tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter says to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And Luke just adds one little thing to it in 2233. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Like, no matter what, I'm in all these other guys. They might deny you. I get it, you know. That, you know, they're not quite like the old stock of Rocky over here, you know. Uh, but me, no way. I'll even go to prison. doesn't really matter. Uh, and then Luke 22, 54 through 63 tells us what happened that night. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down, Peter sat among them and a certain servant girl seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him, but he denied him saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are one of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. So, so far he's got the woman and the man, right? Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also is with him, for he's a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And here's just where it's just very heartbreaking and sobering. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And so within a matter of weeks and days of these great affirmations of Jesus to Peter and then Peter's great declarations of, I will never, ever deny you, I will go to jail, I'll die, whatever, uh, Peter has found that his best intentions are intentions at best. And he has fully realized his fallenness before Jesus. And, and could you imagine just the, how sad this is that he denies Jesus before Jesus is killed and he just probably felt like he has just ruined everything. There's no redemption. There's no hope. And, uh, and I've just, I've just forever will go to my grave remembering how I denied Jesus. And then that look that he gave me across the courtyard. But then the beautiful thing, and I love the songs that we sang today about the resurrection, the crucifixion, yes, but also the celebration of the resurrection, that Jesus isn't dead, but he's alive. And uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, that resurrection morning on Mark, in Mark 16, 7, the angel who's telling it to the gals says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. You ever notice that in the resurrection account? He's alive. He's not here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Go and tell the disciples. And don't forget Peter. 
Because Peter, he's in a bad place right now. He has just felt like he is royally messed up. He's going before you to Galilee, where he said he was going to meet with you. And that takes us to where we're at today, uh, there in John chapter 21. Will you stand with me? We're going to read our text today, uh, getting into, uh, we'll go right up to where we begin in verse 15. John 21, 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when that morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. When Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the nut on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he'd removed it and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they'd come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And uh, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Let none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And Lord, as we get into the text today, uh, Lord, there are many of us who are like Peter. It really rings true for me, uh, the type of man that he is and the energy and the things that he says, maybe without thinking, or maybe even the reliance of himself, or the positions that he put himself in. And, and I think that um, there are definitely people in this room today that are in the place that Peter is in, uh, having not only failed, but willingly uh, denied or rebelled, or they're distant from you, or they maybe think that they've blown it uh, in a measure that there's no hope, there's no redemption, um, they're shelved and you're done with them. And we pray today that you would speak truth into that, uh, that lie of their own heart, Lord, that lie of the enemy. And uh, we will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, go ahead and be seated. Verse 15 in John 21. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. So there's this great breakfast on the beach. I don't know if anyone's ever eaten breakfast on the beach or if anyone likes a good campfire breakfast, you know, but uh, Jesus had prepared the creator of fish cooking up some fish, you know, probably was, I'm not a big fish guy, been to the Sea of Galilee, next year we'll go there in November and you'll eat this piranha looking thing with its eyes and its skin all on and I'm like, I'll have a burger, you know, um, but uh, I'd probably eat it if Jesus cooked it, you know? And, uh, and as they're eating breakfast, after they're eating breakfast, there's a special moment between Jesus and Peter. Now, um, this isn't the first time that Jesus had appeared to Peter. 
uh, but it is a special time and it kind of goes through the rest of the chapter here. And notice that Jesus speaks to Peter and calls him by his old name. He calls him uh, Simon. And, you know, for the last couple days, Peter has been a total Simon, you know, and Jesus doesn't deny it. Like Jesus had that look across the courtyard and was like, that was a total pebbly thing to do, you know. And in a way, though, it's, it's designed by the Lord as a moment to really remind the humiliation and the humility that's needed as a follower of Jesus, lest we think of ourselves higher than we ought. Man, that's been some real Simony stuff that you've been doing, Simon. And, uh, and you're not Rocky Balboa at the moment, you know. Uh, right now, it's okay to be in a place where you realize your failures because as you're broken, then the Lord can do something with you. All right, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he is yet to deny. And so he just says, Simon, son of John, son of Jonah, got a question for you. Do you love me more than these? A simple question, yet a probing question, a deep question, and a question It's going to be asked three times. In this first time, it has some qualitative measures to it. Do you love me? And is it more than these? Okay, so a couple quick language things and Bible study things here. Jesus says, do you love me? The word love is agape or agapeo. And it just speaks of unconditional love. Unconditional love. Just no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter what you've done, I've done, she's done, he's done. There's just this great unconditional love. And I'm wondering, Simon, do you have that for me? And do you have it more than these. Now we got to ask ourselves more than these what or more than these who. Do you love me? Maybe it's asked more than you love these disciples. Man, I really, really love Thomas, you know, or James and John, those sons of thunder. Man, I love those guys. They're hilarious, you know. Oh, I just, I, I love you, Jesus, but I really love these guys. These are my homies. You know, these are my bros. We've been camping for like three years together up and down Israel, you know, and just sorry, buddy, but you know, second place, you know. Uh, perhaps Jesus is asking, do you love me more than you love these items around you? Now, <laughs> Peter, who had been called from a life of fishing to fishing for men, has gone back to the Sea of Galilee, and he told the other disciples, I'm going fishing. You know, and they're like, we'll go with you, you know, and they're all out on the boat and then they come to shore and they just had a successful catch. And just like after we all have a successful hunt or a successful catch, we're like, I'm back in this for life, you know? And so maybe it's uh, do you love me more than you love these boats and these nets and, you know, the, the, the life that you lived before, uh, the smell of the open shore, you know, the, the, the nets and the tackle and the time out sitting on a boat and talking man stuff, you know, you know, may, maybe that's what he's talking about. And I don't believe that that is what's happening at the moment. That's not the question. I don't believe, but I do think it's a question. I think it's a question that we can ask ourselves this new year. Do you love me more than these? Now, probably not a lot of you are like professional fishermen, although with that beard, uh, I'm not going to lie. There's, we may have Peter in our midst this morning, friends, if you will take a look over at uh, Daryl. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's, maybe it is fishing or maybe it is something, you know, we have all kinds of things in our life that 
Ah, the sights and the sounds and the smells and the people and the crowd and the, or the solitude or whatever it is, we elevate it to a place that's like, do I love Jesus more than this? I don't know. I think it was, um, it was maybe Martin Luther that said that the human heart is an idol factory. Like we are just popping out idols and we take things that are good things things that the Lord has given us, and wonderful things, profitable things, family, kids, wives, the career that he's given us, no matter whatever it is, just good things, not bad in and of themselves, a good hunting trip, you know, or a a fishing trip, or the stream, you know, or whatever, and we turn it into a God. We take a good thing, and we make it into a God, and that's a bad thing. One theologian called it de-godding God. And I know that I could do that just as much as anybody. You know, I think of uh, some of the things in my life that I enjoy doing and, you know, having a bit of a cowboy background and the ranching and the farming. Growing up on a very large cattle ranch down in Klamath Falls and just, man, I can go back and I can get sentimental and the equipment and the implements and the family. It was this giant, it was bonanza, you know. It was uh, Dallas, you know. It was an episode of Dallas, you know. It was... Um, you know, it was, it was so special and so wonderful and my, my nostalgia begins to boil up and, and the things that the Lord has called me to here in central Oregon of some of the ranching stuff. And man, I, I, I love a good quarter horse, you know, a good saddle horse. I love a good branding, you know, I love the boots and the shaps and the cowboy hats and the spurs and the laddie goes and the ropes and the reins and the joy and the pain. Oh, I love it. You know, and many of you, you love that same thing like I do for, in that instance. You know, I love the people. You know, I love, I love so much about it. In the early mornings before the sun is up, in the late nights when the sun is down and you're, you're putting your horse up after a hard day and he's all lathered up and all of those things, love it. And if Jesus were asking me, do you love me more than you love this stuff? I don't know, Lord, you don't understand. This has been my life. Like, this is, this is the specialist stuff ever. And for some of you, you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. You do though. You do. Do you love me more than the Steelers? Oh, I mean, oh, sorry. You know. Do you love me more than, I mean, I think of, I was just thinking about all the careers in this room that are represented and all of the hobbies, you know, and I think of all the, the great athletes that we have in the church and the up and coming athletes and, and man, athletics and, ah, oh, the glove, you know, and the old pigskin, you know, and, and, the, you know, the hats and the sunflower seeds and the cleats and the cleat in the clay, you know, and just whatever it is, the turf and, oh, the, the court and the squeaky shoes on, on a good gym, you know, and the net and the crowd and, oh, and the popcorn and the kids and, you know, oh, it's just like, I love it. Do you love it more than you love Jesus? And for all of these things, no matter what it is, it could be, it doesn't matter what it is. We take a good thing and we turn it into a God and it becomes a bad thing. Some of you, it's cats. I don't know. It's like, I really love my cats, you know? (laughs) You know, it's like, you can't even trust a cat. You know? Gardening. Oh, I just love plowing my hands into the chocolate cake like soil and oh is today sunday oh well you know you gotta get the beans planted you know or whatever it's like oh my gosh 
And just whatever it is, and you know what it is, you know the sights and the smells and all those things, and just like, you go back to it. And you might have seasons. I think of friends that I have, they have seasons where they're here for the fasts, you know, and they're here for the musters and the women's retreats, and they're here for a good Christmas time or Easter season. And then it's like, then you're back and you're just dragging the net and there's nothing being caught, you know, and the Lord's like, I'm over here. Do you love me more than you love this stuff? And I don't really think that that's like what Jesus was asking. Do you love me more than you love, uh, you know, the old bash master, you know, mercury engine on the back of the old boat, you know, because <laughs> Jesus or Peter would have probably been like, yeah, that's not really that big of a deal. But there's a third way that this question could be interpreted. Do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Because you'll remember that Peter thought he was going to rule the world, you know. Peter thought he was going to rule the discipleship world. He thought he, everyone else is going to totally bomb and not love you. And, but me, Lord, I'll go to prison. I will go to the the bitter end, man. I'm with you to the end. And within a couple hours, like, I don't even know the man, woman, you know. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than these guys? And that had, that had to just be sobering and reality as that question comes out because Peter asks, or Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But interesting language thing here, the word love that Peter uses is the word phileo, which speaks of a brotherly love, all right? Phila um, is uh, love and delphos is brother. Uh, Philadelphia, we have a, a, you know, the city of brotherly love, all right? So it's like a brotherly love. And uh, he says, oh, Lord, you know, you know that I really, really love you like a brother. I love you like a friend. But I don't, I don't know. Lord, you know if it's agape. <laughs> right? I mean, right now I can tell you I love you with phileo. Jesus' initial question probes Peter to the depth of his being. And as one translation says, Peter says, you know that I'm your friend, There's really not a trace of self-righteousness in Peter's answer here. There's not the guy that was like, I'm going to make it all the way. You know, he's just like, I've already blown it. And you know that. And really the best that I can offer you right now is brotherly love or friendship type love. Peter's qualification isn't more than anyone. You know I love you more than them. Nothing about that. And I think that answers the question here. And Jesus says to him, he's going to say it three different times, feed my lambs. Herd and tend my lambs and my, or my sheep. We'll get into that in a minute because Jesus is going to say it three times as he asks the question three times. He says to him in verse 16, he says to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. There's no more more than these at this point. He doesn't say, but do you love me more than these ones? More than these guys love me. He doesn't do that again. He says, Simon, do you love me? Do you truly love me? And again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he says to him again, tend my sheep sheep tend it was originally feed my sheep now it's tend or 
poimen, which speaks of shepherd my sheep and have a role over my sheep uh, as that church is going to be built. The future of the church is being spoken of here, that there's a, a feeding aspect of it. There's a tending aspect of it. And if time allows, we'll get into that today. And then verse 17, he said to them the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So three times the question is asked, and and hopefully it doesn't get old to you as you read it. Why do I have to take the time to read all three of these questions? Just skip to the third question and I get the point, you know. And, you know, there's something about repetition. Repetition has a good work in us. I remember my old biology teacher, my freshman year, for some reason, I was recommended to take a college biology class my freshman year, and I just flunked it horribly, you know. But my teacher said, uh, hey, if I say it more than once, it's on the test. You know, I want it to be drilled into your mind. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I've got a job for you. I've got a job for you. I've got a job for you. Perhaps it's because of Peter's three denials that Peter has felt so condemned about that Jesus is giving him this gracious opportunity to affirm his love for him these three different times. Three times. Once, twice, three times, a lady, a disciple, really. Or as it's been said, Jesus might be looking deep into Peter's eyes. Hey, do you love me? Oh, you know that I love you. Really? Hmm. Do you love me? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, fool me once, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. Okay? Perhaps, you know, maybe Jesus is like, man, I'm really giving you a chance here. But here he asks, Peter, he doesn't, not agape this time, it's actually, do you phileo me? Because Peter had answered each time, I phileo you brotherly love. I phileo you brotherly love. This time Jesus says, do you even truly, NIV says it, do you truly even phileo me like a brother? And this grieves Peter. Notice the, 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 how hard and disheartening it was that Peter was asked this a third time. And that perhaps it's even because he asked, do you even love me? And Peter just is able to say, you know what? If you were to look at my past three days of my life, then Jesus, it doesn't look like I love you. If you were to look at, was it Thursday night going into Friday morning on Good Friday when I denied you three times? And even the Bible says that Peter cursed in his denial emphatically. I stink and don't know it. Well, then It doesn't really look like I love you, does it? But he appeals not to any of his own righteousness or performance in the last week, but he appeals to the omniscience of Jesus. You know, Lord, you know all things, you know. You know what's going on in my heart. And you know, you guys, that is a beautiful and a wonderful place to go. There's a story of Charles Spurgeon visiting a dispirited woman at her home who just felt like she just doesn't even love Jesus. And he talked with her, encouraged her, and she's like, I just don't even think I love Jesus. And so Charles Spurgeon walked over to the shelf and grabbed a piece of paper and came back, and he wrote on a piece of paper, I do not love 
the Lord Jesus. And then he put a little X and a line and he said, all right, ma'am, please sign this. And she said, no, no, I, I can't sign that. So no, no, you're so certain that you don't love Jesus. Why don't we get it over with and just say it out loud? And she goes, I can't sign that because the Lord knows it's not true. (laughs) And how great that we can appeal to the Lord and his omniscience because the Lord knows that we've failed. The Lord knows that we have purposefully failed or rebelled or stumbled or fallen. And, And we can appeal to him, Lord, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. All I know is just you are the Lord. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And I don't know what's going on around me, but you know, Lord. And we can appeal to the omniscience of the Lord. If we find ourselves in need of restoration, we have nothing in our defense. Nothing in our hands do we bring, but simply to the cross do we cling. Peter had had some plain reminders, even in the questioning of his three-time denial. Three times, do you actually love me? And finally, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And so Jesus says, well, in that case, I've got a little job for you. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. Jesus has a commission for Peter. As one guy said, the commission of Peter is Jesus' revenge on Peter's denials. Oh, you denied me three times? Oh boy, I've got something coming for Satan on this one. You're going to be leading the church, bro. You're going to go out, you're going to be planting churches, you're going to be leading in Jerusalem, you're going to be going throughout Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Man, three denials, that's almost cute because you're going to be tending my sheep. How interesting that Jesus entrusts the church to one of the disciples who had failed the worst aside from Judas Iscariot. I mean, this guy had royally bombed. But now he has a chance to show himself. It's been said that love is tested through action. Love is tested through action. Like what one preacher said, if you've made a mess of yourself by disobedient action, foolish choices, or uncharacteristically off behavior, and that behavior has benched you, here in John we are reminded not only with Peter but throughout all of scripture that we worship the God of second chances and third chances. And the fourth and the fifth and the sixth chances. In fact, Jesus even throws a seven in there. And he says, even if your brother sins against you seven times a day, you keep forgiving him. I think it's the Proverbs that say that a righteous man may fall seven times in a day and yet rise again. He's the God of second chances. And there may be significant word from the Lord for you today here on, you know, I'm going to call it New Year's Day, (laughs) this first Sunday going into 2022, when you think of 2021 or you think of the last years, you think of your life and how it has just been a colossal failure and it has been marked by just poor decisions, bad choices, 
laziness, just practice sin, three times denial, threefold denial, just whatever it is, the Lord has a word for you this New Year's Day. He's the God of second chances. He's the God who says, do you love me? And he gives you the opportunity to say, Lord, you know. You know, Lord. Do what you're doing. Do it in my life. And so there's this commission. There's this opportunity for love to be tested out in action through this commission of feed the lambs, tending the sheep. Leon Morris said, the verb used here has a somewhat broader meaning It is to exercise the office of a shepherd, and that's over against simply feed the sheep. Uh, You know, the animals that I use a lot for the ranch ministry, they're uh, the McKinnon horses, got a couple McKinnon horses that they've just been so gracious and said, you know, we're farmers, we're on the John Deere's all the time, these horses need to be worked out, need to just take them and use them, you know. And another horse of my cousins that I use and am training is there, and I use these three. And uh, and the, one of the graces of the McKinnon family farm is that they feed the animals, you know, and uh, take care of them. I'll do the, some of the farrier work and some of the shoeing and things like that. But just every day, they live out there. They're the ones doing it. And then sometimes, you know, they go on a little trip or something like, Rory, can you feed for these four days or something like that? And I go and I show up and I grab the pitchfork and I'm like, oh, the world owes me a living, you know, you know, and then watch them fight each other for the hay. And I'm just like, well, see you later, you know, and I drive off, you know, and so there's, it's one thing to feed. Wow. Good job, Rory. Good job. Didn't quite feed them enough. They're a little skinny when we got back, but good job, you know, and then there's this broader, like you're living with it. You're feeding them, you're tending them, you're observing their health, you're watching their weight, you're watching the wolves come in and try to get them, you're just smacking away the wolves, and you're trying to get them to the very end. That's the call that Jesus had for Peter as a leader of the early church. It's also a call that he has on many men today, even in 2022, even in Prineville, even in this church a call of shepherding God's people and tending his sheep. There's one of the shepherds right there, just like, yeehaw! He just loves the call on his life, don't you? In Acts 20, 28, Peter, uh, rather Paul, calls for the elders of the church of Ephesus to come meet him on the coast as he's sailing by. And in Acts 20, 28, Peter, uh, I keep saying Peter because that's, that's our homie today. It's actually Paul says to the Ephesian elders, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So he's talking to these Ephesian elders and he says, man, take great care of this flock that's been entrusted to you. A couple of key words there. You guys are to be overseers of this flock. You're to shepherd them. They're very valuable, this flock, so valuable that they were purchased with the very blood of Jesus. Did you know that, you know, the item which is owned goes up in value depending on who owns it as well as how much they paid for it and with what currency they paid for it. Here you have the sheep of the Lord Jesus 
and that they're his sheep and that he paid for them himself with the currency of his blood. Right, so this is a great commission to Peter, great commission to the Ephesian elders here. Know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will even rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I didn't cease warning everyone day and night with tears. So the Ephesian elders had that call to be shepherds and overseers in that Ephesian church. Then uh, look in 1 Timothy 4, 6. I don't think that's the uh, reference that I meant to put in there. That's a little bonus for you guys today. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 2. Now this is Peter speaking forth to other elders. And he tells them, shepherd the flock of God that is among you serve as overseers not by compulsion like oh I've just got to do this but do it willingly and don't do it for dishonest gain and just money and the extra man just those great tithes that come in I mean it's just that's a tempting thing for sure uh but rather do it eagerly the heart that wants to be there that gets to be there In your shepherding, don't do it as you're lording over people that are entrusted to you, but rather be servant leaders like Jesus, being examples to the flock. And there's great reward when the chief shepherd, the one who, that's Jesus, the one who says they're my sheep, when he comes back and when he appears, there's a reward for those faithful shepherds. He'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. These sheep, they're valuable to Jesus. And so it's a great, great stewardship that Peter's being entrusted to when Jesus says that they're my lambs and they're my sheep and I want you to feed them. Now, do more than feed them. Do more than show up and just kind of teach a Bible study. I want you to tend them. I want you to protect them. I want you to be aware of their spiritual state. I want you to carry them on your heart and on your shoulders. I want you, I'm I'm entrusting them to you. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, it says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Jesus was coming and fulfilling Old Testament prophets to be the shepherd over Israel, to be the chief shepherd over Israel. And then in his sovereignty, he has set it up that there are pastors and elders and overseers or maybe bishop, the word is interchanged, uh, bishops, overseers, uh, that help tend the flock of God. Hebrews calls Jesus in chapter 13, verse 20, the great shepherd of the sheep. And Peter would call Jesus the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we're going to end there now. We'll have the worship team come back up. Not finishing John this week. That's probably going to be next week. But good word for us today. Even just closing with this idea of being his sheep. And being loved enough that he would set leaders to serve us and to minister. And to lift us up and to encourage us. Right now in Polina we're going through a church series. It's a church series that we've done twice in this church, 
And so I'd encourage you, if you're able to tune in at four o'clock, listen to the live stream of the Polina service, um, or even go back and listen to the series we've done here. I think um, it won't be too long that we'll go through the series again as a church, but one thing that you just see as you study ecclesiology, that is the study of the church, God's heart for the church, is that as we are his sheep, we've not been called to be lone sheep. We've not been called to be single sheep out there by ourselves in a pasture. Wherever you see sheep, you see multiple sheep. You see a herd. And as a, as a herd of sheep, or a, I suppose it'd be a flock, right? I'm not a big sheep guy. Sorry about that. You know, mutton's delicious though. Uh, if you like bubble gum in your mouth. Okay. Uh, but where Rachel. Sheep are not to be off by themselves. We know what happens when they're off. You've seen enough wily coyotes, right? To see what happens when the sheep is, sheep is off by themselves. The wolves come pick them off. Animals and livestock are not to be by themselves. The, the health is not maintained. Their nourishment is not good. God in his sovereignty and in his design for the church has not saved us to be desperados off by ourselves. But to be a part of the flock, to be a part of the herd, to be a part of his fold, and to be a part of the blessing of having uh, faithful men of character and function and qualifications tending you, watching out for your soul, Hebrews tells us, protecting you, keeping you in straight doctrine as we plow straight lines through the word of God. And so maybe this year, just well, the Lord would even say, I have something for you this 2022, and that I want you to dive in and plug in and be even more of a faithful part of this local church at Calvary. And as you set your things aside and we just go to prayer, maybe the word more for you today is just that great hope through Peter's example and the rest of scripture that our God is the God of second chances. He doesn't wink at sin. He doesn't pretend like it never happened. He spends that time with us of correction of, man, you were acting like a total pebble there, weren't you? You're pretty puffed up and prideful in yourself that you're going to be the Rocky Balboa of the group, but you epically failed. But you know what? That's why I came. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, those who mess up, he's the God of grace. He's the God of mercy. He's not condemning us, but he does probe and he asks the questions. And today as we just close a good question was asked do you love Jesus more than that hobby more than that athletic opportunity for you do you love Jesus more than those possessions that home that sentimental nostalgic event you're waiting for to come in the spring or the summer that vacation the toes in the sand the pink umbrella if there's anything that you love more than Jesus today God in his grace wants to just put it down in its rightful place and exalt himself in your heart and right now where you're at why don't you just in, in just the quiet place of your heart You can just confess to the Lord that these things or this or this person 
this behavior, this substance, whatever it is, you can just confess it and acknowledge it openly before the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're like Peter, marked with time after time after time of failure. Even if you just, I really charged myself up that I was going to do better in 2021. And and the Lord looks me in the eye and just says, we both know that didn't work out. And just today we can come before him and he can say, do you love me? And you can say, Lord, you know. I just appeal to you and your knowledge and your omniscience and power and do a work in my life, Lord. Maybe you would say like a father in the Gospels, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I love you, but help my lack of love. We'll begin the new year in this way. Stand with me, we'll close in a song. Uh, Over here is our fireside room, and we've got donuts and coffee, and just a time for us to remain part of the big family of Calvary as the two services. Uh, We just hate splitting up. We want to remain that family and see each other during the week and have a relationship with one another. It's also a time for fellowship uh, in the true sense of sharing with one another, our burdens, praying with one another. Go deep. Talk more than hunting, talk more than fishing, talk more than Christmas gifts that you got, you know? Hey, how can I be praying for you this week? What's going on with you? And I mean, I'd love to see just time of praying with one another uh, throughout the chapel or whatever. But uh, anyways, we invite you to stick around. We hope you'll stick around, make it part of your Sunday morning uh, habits. And 